You're listening to Founder Sessions, a podcast that helps people relate to the reality of startup life. My name is Carl Murray, and I am a startup nerd. In each session, I will chat to entrepreneurs about their ideas, their stories, and the challenges they face throughout their journey. What is up, everybody, and welcome back to another session of Founder Sessions. Joining me today is an entrepreneur who is passionate about the need for lifelong learning to fuel a modern digital economy. That is none other than Brett Shanley, the CEO and founder of Noma. We talk about Brett's journey that has took him from the University of Cambridge to investment banking, to starting a startup in Australia, to coming back to the UK and doing it all again. We talk about Brett as an entrepreneur, what he's learned along the way. And we have a great chat about advice that you can take today in action into your own projects. So without further ado, enjoy Founder Sessions with Brett Shanley. Brett, thanks for joining me today. How are you doing? Carl, yeah, absolute pleasure. Delighted to be here. Yeah, great to have you on. And you have a very interesting story from Cambridge University to Australia to now what you're doing now with Noma. Let's dive straight in. Tell us about that journey. Yeah, so I'm 34 years of age, as mentioned, kind of product of, of Cambridge University, feels like a very long time ago now. Um, and, you know, from there at that time, it was it, the height of the global financial crisis. Um, you know, you, startups didn't really feature, it was like go into banking, go into consultancy, become a lawyer. And I guess I just followed the kind of boring corporate route and ended up working at Nomura, which is the bank that took over Lehman Brothers when that went under. Uh, you know, an amazing and tough few years, learnt loads, but ultimately I realised staring at eight computer screens, watching lines go up, lines go down, that being a trader, I had no impact, no say on products, strategy, uh, communities of these big, big businesses. And I realised pretty early on that I wanted to move into smaller, uh, enterprise where hopefully I could have an impact to say in the product, the strategy and the culture. Yeah, so in that, that took you into the world of startups and were you at a start before you moved to Australia or was it the move to Australia then into startup world? Yeah, no, move, move to Australia after leaving banking after three and a bit years, I was kind of like, well, I, I know I want to build a business. I just don't know how or when I'm going to do that. So long story short ended up in australia and kind of from the moment i got there 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 seemed to be this attitude in australia of give it a go that it's like totally acceptable to start a business that you have no knowledge no background on and that i found really energizing and quite exciting um and you know pretty much from the moment i got into australia the, the the desire the burning want to kind of be involved in startups just grew and grew and grew how does the scene compare the startup scene in australia how does it compare to the uk yeah so i got back so i left the uk in 2012 where you know at that point there was no monzo no revolut no silicon valley roundabout so you know vc money was still quite limited the scene was a lot lot smaller um by the time i got back from australia in 2018 you know, the startup scene here in London had changed dramatically. You'd seen massive amounts of VC funding going particularly into the fintech space, uh, a lot more accelerators, incubators. So, you know, I'd say that the world that I left in 2012 and then returned to were very, very different. 
Um, I, I guess in Australia, though, there was, as I've mentioned, that this kind of attitude that it's okay just to have a crack. And I think by nature, British people predominantly are quite conservative, reserved, and, and kind of like having framework or security. Whereas in Australia, because they're so isolated from the whole world, they're just like, well, why not? They're just a bit more easygoing. And I, in some respects, I think that really helps when starting a business. No, I love that attitude of just jumping in, two feet, just diving straight in. In Australia has spawned the likes of Canva, you know, big entities now. Do you think your time in Australia shaped you as an entrepreneur and sort of affected your style? Yeah, look, I, I in, in, in some ways was quite lucky in that I had a previous, so at Noma, this is my second business. The first business was that I had um, still exists you know, delighted and, and happy that I spent three, four years building that first business, also in, in the education finance space. But I kind of now view that time as my kind of training wheels, where I was able to go and meet with venture capital firms, meet with private equity firms, you know, learn what it was to pitch, learn what it was to build a model. Um, so in, in many respects, it, it kind of gave me the confidence and the experience and knowledge to come back to the UK, go bigger, better second time round using that experience. Your business in Australia, let's talk about that. What was that and what was it? Um, what was the problem it was solving? Yeah, so similar to, to Noma, but kind of tackling in a slightly different way. So the, the business was originally called Study Loans. It's now called ZFI. Um, and essentially in 2016, the then Prime Minister Malcolm Turnbull pulled billions out of the post 18 education sector. So we saw an opportunity to become an alternative and supplementary funding source um, for individuals looking to undertake further education. Um, so learn loads, learned some stuff that worked, didn't work. And, you know, I, I reflected on that and still do. And when I moved back to London to start Noma, it, it was using those lessons lessons to hopefully, uh, you know, go faster and bigger and better. I always find it interesting when second time founders start something new and you see them do things slightly differently because uh, and you ask them and it's really because those past experiences. So let's talk about Noma. What is it in a nutshell? Yeah, so Noma stands for the knowledge market. And in one sentence, Carl, we offer an ethical finance solution and then wider marketplace for lifelong learning. You know, let's cut all of the, the technical spill. What are we doing? We are essentially providing a interest-free and fee-free solution for users. So let's say you want to do a course at Ironhack or Le Wagon, or you want to do a digital marketing course at Imperial Business School. We have we integrate on their sites with a with a pay with Noma button that allows a user to spread the cost, interest, and fee free within less than a minute. So we want to be the anti student loan company, the anti bank. We don't believe in interest. We don't believe in charging fees. So ultimately, we want to try and remove the barriers stopping people from getting the career and the wage they deserve and want. So that, that's kind of what we do at the most simplest form. But where I'm really excited, Carl, is where we're taking the business. And that's where we're using open banking data, LinkedIn data to track the return on investment that a piece of education can give to a user. So we can actually help guide and influence people looking to upskill or reskill and say, well, yes, this course does cost X amount, but we can actually 
prove through data and science that given who you are and what you've done before, you do this course, you're likely to see a 50% uplift up in your salary and be able to move into these type of roles. So it's so much more than just being a dumb finance solution. In my head, I'm thinking roadmaps, you know, like creating roadmaps, plotting out where you could go, starting at a junior role, doing this course, you could get this role, that sort of thing. That's that's what's in my head, essentially. Very cool. I think Thank you. it's a, it's a re real problem and, you know, We've all been students ourselves. We've all looked at these additional courses that we could do and the prices of them, some of them are astronomical. Uh, you know, I studied game design at, at university and some of the some of the courses I saw on like Udemy for Photoshop are crazy amounts of money. Um, so I, I see the, the true need for this, it's very awesome. Brett, how and when did you know you wanted to be an entrepreneur? I... I come from a family where my mother runs her own business, my uncles run their own business. So I guess I've always kind of been surrounded by people that have have done done this kind of walk. But I guess what's quite different is trying to actually use technology in a way that you can scale and make this more than just a small local regional business. Um, but yeah, I think it's fair to say that I, I always had this this feeling inside me that I wanted to do it. And I, I guess I was lucky that I had family members and, and people around me that gave me the confidence to say, well, why not? Like you, you're, you know, you're intelligent, you're driven, you're motivated. Why, why wouldn't you give this a go? Um, but I guess really it was when I left banking that it, it was kind of like, okay, you're in your mid twenties. Like if you don't do this now, when will you do this kind of time to get going? Let's have a crack. I think there's a lot of those people that dwell on the what ifs and, and obviously you had the what if what if I don't do this and you know you went went into it I think it's great as well that you had that support network because many entrepreneurs need that they need that little push and confidence and motivation to step over the line and come out of uh, I'm guessing a reasonably comfortable job investment banking and into the the chaos and unknown of startup world <laughs> and to do it in a in a different country as well so you know that's, that's so inspiring Know what you know now, is there anything that you would have done differently from when you were first starting out? So much. Um, it's like, where do I even begin? Um, it's, it's all uh, a learning curve and I'm still learning now and I'm still making mistakes and you know things that maybe worked a year ago or in my previous business doesn't necessarily mean it's gonna work second time round. So it's being comfortable to adapt. I think that's like the number one lesson. Um, number two, I think it's, do your research on on where you're going to raise money from and ultimately you know building a tech business is expensive it is time consuming it, it requires people with knowledge and background to do it so you know you need you know certainly in the business i'm in it's it's cattle cattle intensive it, it chews a lot of money so you know you've got to be aware of of where you can tap into those sources of money but then also be aware of you know, term sheets, what does that mean? Okay, in a shareholders agreement, what, what sort of clauses are founder friendly versus not founder friendly? What are the things that I need to be avoiding? So that, that they're kind of two things that spring to mind, but I guess the, the third and, and, and final thing is things take time. And you know, when you're young, you're hungry, you're always impatient, but like you've, you've got to have a plan, stick to the plan, invest in people, invest in, in, in the product 
and things will happen and, and I think you, you often you know I, I guess my biggest regret is having all those sleepless nights of regret worry stress about things that ultimately I had no control over and you, you just got to roll with it perfectly put you just got to roll with those punches don't you were there any sort of times where you thought this is just going in the wrong direction where you've had to like pivot slightly or just moments of internal crisis as well it's like this is just not going to work well, in the early days <laughs> all, all, all the time and you know we went live during covid which wasn't an easy time for anyone and you know in, in many respects very lucky fortunate um but you know when you've got staff that have to pay mortgages have to put food on the table and you're you don't know whether or not this business is viable or what what the world or the economy is doing it's it's pretty scary but you know, I think that is the life of a startup, particularly an early stage startup, where there's so many uncertainties. You've just got to get comfortable as much as you can managing the stress and the uncertainty that that startup brings. Yeah, there is a lot of stress that comes involved. And uh, personally, how do you deal with that stress? Um, so I, I probably need to uh, live better by what I preach, but I think exercise, meditation um, and seeing and, and kind of taking time away from work is important again lucky to have an amazing partner an amazing set of friends around me but it's knowing that you know your 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 life is all consumed by the startup and sometimes you need you need to just step away yeah it's it's so important we, we speak about it a lot on on the sessions that you know it, it is a busy hectic world and i think if you burn yourself out too fast too quick that could have long-term effects and just taking those those time just to have some me time, isn't it? It's it's so important. Let's talk about giving back for a second. A lot of people watching this might be thinking about starting a business. They might be first time founders, might be first time entrepreneurs, that sort of thing. What key tips would you give them if they're starting from zero? Yeah, so there's some amazing programs out there now that didn't exist you know 10 years ago and I, I think if if I was having my time again joining something like a Y Combinator they've now got amazing resources that are free online so you don't even have to be accepted onto the program you don't even have to go to San Francisco I think doing their online startup school is is essential for anyone looking to start a business like the resources the videos the the lessons they can give you are fantastic I think then there's amazing programs like Entrepreneur First, backed by the likes of Reid Hoffman, founder of LinkedIn here in the UK, for people that maybe don't have an idea, looking for a co-founder. And the great thing about Entrepreneur First is they'll pay you whilst you kind of almost speed date to find the idea, find the partner. So yeah, don't be afraid to enroll in those sort of programs, number one. Number two, you know, I say this as a, as a, a solo founder and, and I was a solo founder first time round, and I said, I'll never ever do that again. And here I am, second time round, solo founder. Um, and, you know, daily I kind of wish that I did have a, a co-founder. And I think I'm a non-technical founder. And that made my life even doubly difficult. But finding someone that you trust, someone that hopefully has a complementary skill set to your own, that you can share the burden and the stress and the success of a startup will go a long, long way. Um, and then finally... Don't just rush into the first idea that you've got. Um, do the research on the market. Do the research on on kind of the value proposition. You know, if you think you've got a product and you think there's a market, 
try and actually have conversations with the people buying or using the product to see if there truly is actually demand. Um, but ultimately, I've, I've, you know, I've met a lot of people that say they want to do it, say they're going to do it, and sometimes years later, they just still haven't. So, you know, I'm a big believer that you just sometimes just have to take the plunge. No, very true. It goes back to the what if. It was like, you can't have that thought in your head, like what if. You've got to try it, you've got to see if it works, see if it doesn't work, because I think it'll just still be in your mind five years later and be like, why haven't I started this yet? <laughs> it'll just still be there. You're a solo founder as well. That, very interesting. How non-technical as well, I'm non-technical. So what did you do to fill in those sort of gaps in your skill set? You know, you obviously built a team around you. So what did you look for when picking that team? Yeah, so again, quite lucky that I had the previous business in Australia. So the first business in Australia, you know, it's fundamentally we needed a loan management system. They're notoriously expensive, notoriously clunky um, and, and complex. So the first couple of years of my first business, we spent years messing around with loan management systems that didn't work, didn't deliver, and eventually then found uh, not only amazing uh, off-the-shelf system that you could customize and configure, but also a team of developers in India that had deep expertise. So second time round, I was able to kind of go there with that, that roadmap, that blueprint of, right, this is the tech stack. These are the developers that are gonna implement it. So kind of second time round, that was helpful. Um, and then, you know, here in the UK, over and above the guys in India, I needed someone that had a risk and a credit background. And then I needed someone that had a kind of full stack development history that could hold the guys in India accountable and at least work with them. But, you know, I'm not going to lie when you've got limited resources, limited time, it was a real, real challenge. And, you know, if we had more money in the beginning, I potentially could have hired more people and, and maybe potentially people that really were able to do what what was required. And I think, you know, the first year or two, we had a couple of full starts there with people that maybe weren't quite qualified for what was needed. But, but you know, you live and you learn and that, that just is part of the journey. Yeah, trial and error, live and you learn is, is a big one. The business now, where do you want it to go? What, what is what is the big picture of Nutma? Yes, yeah, so we want to be um, the number one global finance provider for education. We, you know, I believe passionately about the power of education to transform individual lives and 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 kind of in increase people's prospects. So deeply, deeply passionate about that and, and care about education. Um, so we'll always be focused in that sector. But really, for me, it's about getting into other markets. So we're hoping to go live in Australia and Canada 2023. Let's see where we go from there. But like, you know, the next five years, we need to be uh, operating globally. And we wanna be the number one player delivering ethical finance, using data to help guide, influence people into the courses and the skills they need to get on and prosper. Um, more immediately this year, we're going live with a B2B offering. So for the first two years, we've been solely focused on the individual, but we're now looking to open up a similar product for companies that are sending employees, maybe five, 10, 15, 20, 50 employees onto a course, don't wanna pay for that upfront. Um, they'll be able to kind of spread the cost of that education interest and fee free through Noma. So super excited to have that more holistic B2C, B2B type offering and, and, and take it from there. 
Very cool. Very cool. I like how you're targeting the entrepreneurs in companies that want to expand their skills and knowledge. I think that's brilliant. And personally, Brett, let's say, what do you want to achieve when it comes to, say, New Year's Eve this year? What does Brett Shani, the entrepreneur, want to achieve? Oh, I'd like us to be ready for our Series A. So we're hopefully going to be closing our Series A uh, end of this year, early next year. Um, I would like to have, you know, over fifteen million pounds of, of funded loans out the door. Um, that that's kind of our aim, and you know, ultimately, I want to be able to raise a glass of champagne on New Year's Eve and be proud of the people we've helped, the the careers we've started, and and the wages we've increased for those individuals. Brilliant, and hopefully, the the corks pop, and you can have that that drink, knowing that you've you've achieved those goals in 2022. Brett, I've loved your time so far on the podcast, just wrapping it up here now. What advice would you give your younger self? I'd say, you know, stay confident, stay driven, stay motivated. Don't take no for an answer. And, you know, it, it can be pretty demoralizing getting more no's than you do get yeses. But I think, you know, believe in yourself, back yourself. And if, if you are passionate about a subject and you believe that there change is needed, then then you know stay the course, stay confident, stay fighting, and, and, and keep swinging. And Brett, finally, just tell the people watching and listening where they can connect with you, what they should check out. Just let them know. Yes, yeah, so you can find us on www.noma, spelled K-N-O-M-A dot I-O. So that's Noma, K-N-O-M-A. .io. Um, you know, we've got um, career advisors, assistants, you can call our 0800 number, speak to us on live chat. Um, so yeah, if, if any of this is resonating with you around changing career, looking to upskill, reskill, um, please check out our website. We'd be delighted to help you. Brilliant, Brett. And if people want to connect with you on LinkedIn, happy to Absolutely. Do so. Always happy to help um, people that are, are looking to start a business. So yeah, by all means, reach out so yeah brett shanley is 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 my full name so yeah look look forward to connecting brilliant and thank you brett for your time this morning it's been very insightful i love diving deep into sort of the entrepreneurial style and the man behind the brand of noma and you know talking about australia startup scene it's i know the weather's lovely and uh the startup scene looks promising as well but yeah brett thank you for your time on the podcast today from myself and brett this has been founder sessions and thank you